Okay, so first of all, a, uh, a big shkach to Shalom Mill for sponsoring uh, the learning, the breakfast this morning. Shem bless him and all mishpacha with only nachas and simcha and bracha. I'd believe die. Okay, so what we've been learning, so officially we're up to, as again, I mentioned this the past few weeks, officially we're up to uh, Perak Bav in Sefer Yeshua, Klai Yisrael are going to uh, wage their first battle to conquer Rechai, but sort of we took a little bit of a detour for the past couple of weeks to learn about just the concept of Muhammad of warfare, and what that means, and Halacha, and Ashkaf, and so on, so... Again, I, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know how long to go with this. We could keep on going about Muhammad, you know, I don't know, I guess there's no, you know, we have the rest of our lives to learn, Sashem. But, um, so maybe maybe next week we'll, we'll, we'll go back into Sefer Yeshua. But for this week, just talk about one, another aspect of Muhammad. Um, it's going to start off as something very specific, but we'll see that from that specific point, um, there's a big cloud that we, that we can learn about Muhammad in general. Uh, now, before you get to the Marmachamis that are in front of you, like while we were davening, I should have been more focused on davening, but uh, you know, something came to me to sort of fill the gap a little bit, what we're going to learn. So uh, let me share with you an idea that we find in Halacha about warfare. Now, you don't have this in front of you, it's just you can listen inside, uh, outside. So in Parshas Kiseitse, in Parshas Kiseitse, the Pasuk of there is talking about a number of different Halachas when it comes to warfare. Okay, so a couple of sukkim. It's in Perchav Gimel, in Perchav Gimel, Pasuk Yu Gimel, in Parashik Kiseitse. Again, you don't have this, but just listen listen outside. It's interesting. The Pasuk says this is talking about how soldiers in the war, in, in, in the machne, in the, in, the, in the camp, and so on, how they should uh, go to the bathroom, how they should make sure that the camp is clean and. Uh, you know, and uh, sanitary. So it says, that, uh, that you should have a particular path outside the camp, and that's where you should go to the bathroom, outside the camp. And besides that, you should also have a shovel, every single sh- soldier besides, like weaponry and all the things that they need as soldiers. And one of the things that they should always have on them is a shovel. That when you go out and we use the bathroom, you should use that shovel to make sure that everything is covered over, that you don't leave uh, any of the refuse exposed, and so on. That's the that's the the pasuk. Now this is codified in the Rambam. Again, you didn't have this in front of you, but the Rambam writes in Hilchas Malachim at the end of Perak Vav and Hilchas Malachim. He says the follows: It's Oser, It's forbidden to go to the bathroom just in the middle of the camp, as a Jewish soldier. Again, nowadays, I mean, obviously we have bathrooms, or even, but, but in this position of war, where things are camped outside, it could be nowadays, uh, maybe soldiers maybe have, out, I don't know what they do exactly, but the, the, according to the Torah, you're not allowed to go to the bathroom within the camp itself. Just exposed like that. Rather, there's a positive mitzvah from the Torah, to have a particular designated path, to go use that to go out of the, the camp that the soldiers are camping in and to you and, and over there outside to go to the bathroom. that you should have a path to go outside the camp. 
Says the Raman further, V'chein mitzvah sasei, and so too there's another mitzvah, Lios yesed l'kol echad v'echad, that every single soldier should have a, a shovel, T'luyim klei melchamtai, together with all of his weaponry, and Yetzi ba'isad derech, that when he goes in that path that the previous mitzvah Obligated us to, outside the camp. The Yachbarba, he should dig a little hole and be a latrine or something. Viyafana, viyachasa, and that's where he goes to the bathroom and covers it over. So that's the that's the mitzvah shenemer again. The next pasuk, the yesetilachalazinecha, that you should carry a shovel with you with all your army with all your weaponry. And the Rambam says an interesting language. He says ubein sheyeshimam aron, bein sheenimam. Don't think, says the Rambam, that this is because. The camp must be a holy place because the Ark of the Covenant is probably there because they're going to war, and maybe that's why you can't go to the bathroom there. Says Ram, that's not true. Whether there's holy objects in the camp, not holy objects in the camp. The camp of Muhammad should be a place that the people are not, the, the, not using the bathroom. They go out, and, and it's covered, and it's all very uh, clean and sneistic. This is how it should be. That the camp, the Jewish camp, should be holy. Okay. So this is an interesting thing. Uh, obviously, the the Rishonim, the, the you know the more shot Rishonim that give uh, more logical explana- human explanations for mitzvahs. So one of the reasons is you know obviously as we know that uh, if the you know if the facilities for bathrooms and so on is unclean, then that'll breed disease, and uh, it'll or in the very least people will get like somewhat sick and they'll get weak. And it's not good for, uh, for warfare, for the soldiers to be sick. So on a very simple level, it could just be in terms of uh, cleanliness and safety and like health. But we understand that everything in Torah is multi-layered. So even though that might be true, but there's certainly a depth over here that there's a special hakpada that the Indian of going to the bathroom should be very misudder and very proper and very well-kept and well-maintained dafk in the Jewish army and the Jewish camp. So the question is, what's the penimus of that? Okay, so we're going to, that's a show, we'll get back to that a little bit later. Now let's get to the Marmar Kamis that in front of you, okay? <clears throat> okay, completely new, new, t- new topic, again, within the halachas of warfare. There's, um, but I'll get a little bit of an introduction before we get into it. There's a Gemara, Marmar number one, there's a Gemara in Gidden on Samach Aleph and Mebez, okay? The Gemara in Gidden says like this, Tan Rabbanon, the rabbis taught, Mepharnesen ani nachrim imani Yisrael. Let's say you have a situation of where you have a shtetl, whatever it is, that, that's run by Yidin. It's mostly Yidin. The government is set up by Yidin. It's all a Jewish thing. And obviously, everyone, every individual person has to give tzedakah, but the community, Bechlal, also, there's a, there's a setup where the community, the Va, the Dayan, whatever it is, the mayor, the, you know, the government is also supporting the poor people, but it's a Jewish, it's a Jewish place. So the Shulchan, the, the Gemara says, that if let's say there happens to be some non-Jews living amongst the Jewish community, and they also need tzedakah, so the Lach is, the Jewish community, just as they're supporting and helping uh, poor Yidin, they have to also help uh, poor non-Jews as well. And the same thing, if there's a situation set up on a more governmental level, to have bigger chaylam done. And it's, again, it's a Jewish community, Jewish city, and it's a Jewish government. So obviously their priority is to do bigger chaylam for Yidin. But if there's also sick non-Jews, you have to do bigger chaylam for them as well. The kaivim misay nachar im misay Yisrael. And the same thing also. Again, nowadays, every mishpacha sort of takes care of it on their own. But again, if let's say you have a Jewish community with a Jewish government, and the government is in charge of making sure that uh, people that pass away are buried properly, so obviously, again, their priority are the Yiddish people that need to be buried. But if there's any non-Jews in the community as well, so we bury non-Jews along with, uh, with the Yidin as well. And all of this is Mivnei Dar Kishon. 
It's because dark and we don't want to arouse any anti-Semitism, any hatred. So even though it's, there's no question, our priority, our chiv is uh, taking care of Jewish poor people. That's where stuck money should go. for yidin, burying uh, people that are nifted, that are yidin. But we do it with gaim also mipnei dark Okay. Now the last thing is what we're going to be focusing on today, which is the fact that we bury non-Jewish people just like we have to bury Jewish people because of Dark Yeshua. Now, just to clarify some of the halachas, the language of the Gemara was Kaivrim Misenachrim, that we bury uh, Gayim, in Misei Yisrael with Yidin. So Rashi picks up on that, which means with Yidin. Mamish in the same, the same cemetery? Like, what does that mean with Yidin? So Rashi says, Marmaka number two in the Gemara over there, in Misei Yisrael, the Gemara says that you should bury Gayim with Yidin because of Dark Yeshua. Says Rashi, loy bekivre Yisrael doesn't mean that it's in the same cemetery. That halach is we don't do. We have a special cemetery for Yidden, and the, and a non-Jew should be buried in a non-Jewish cemetery. By the way, even within Yidden, there's such an idea. There's halach. There's halach is about who could be buried next to each other. The Gemara says such a thing that you can't bury a Russian next to next to a tzaddik. By the way, that's why there's a minig. Um, I'm sure you've seen this by by not all tzaddikim, but many tzaddikim have the, the minig was, and when they were buried, they would build like an oil, you know. To, like separating that kever. So, I mean, one of the simple reasons is that people go to visit to Dav and they should be protected from the rain or whatever, or just covered. But one of the halachic reasons is because if, let's say, the, the, relatively speaking, compared to the tzaddik, maybe people around him are not worthy of being buried next to him. So, they would build a, an oil, so it's like a designated, it's a, it's a different, uh, it's like a little cemetery inside of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. That's the idea to make it. There's truths about this. Let's say you have to, so maybe you could build a mechitza. There's halachas about how to do it, but but certainly there's not a question. You can't bury a guy in a Jewish cemetery. That for sure not. So says Rashi when it says imisay Yisrael, like the kivri, so doesn't mean to bury the mamish in the same cemetery. Elmis askin bohem. It means that we we we're involved. We involve ourselves with them. We bury them. Harugim im Yisrael. If you have, if there's such a situation of where you didn't need to be buried, and there's also gun that need to be buried, so we take care of all of them together. In other words, not we don't bury them together, but just as you're taking care of Yidin, you take care of Goyim as well. Now Rashi is interesting. Rashi's clear that this halach of burying, of having to bury Yidin, or or the same thing with uh, giving tzedakah or biker chaylam. The, when the when the when the Bryce has said im that you uh, we we support poor goyim with poor yidden biker chaylam for goyim with poor with uh, biker chaylam for yidden bury goyim with yidden the word im Rashi's teaching it doesn't mean literally with but it means if you have to do it for yidden anyway then you do it for the goyim they need it too and what's clear from Rashi is that if if there's nothing going on in the city the Baruch Hashem there's no deaths except for a non-Jew then we don't uh, go out of our way to bury the non-Jew. It's if you're doing it for Yidin anyway, so then we'll throw uh, the guy in the mix because of Dark Yishon. That's the way Rashi is learning the Gemara. Now the truth is, again, this is based on the version that we have in the Bavli, which has that word im, right? That you do uh, take care of the guy with the Yid. And Rashi's saying it doesn't mean literally in the same cemetery, but it means if you're doing it for a Yid anyway, then at the same, you know, then take care of the guy too because of Dark Yishon. The Yishalmi quotes this halacha, Without that word in, so the Rishami and also in Gidin Perakei Halachahe also quotes this price, but more specific when it comes to burying. And the the Rishami says the Kaivin Misay Gaim U Misay Yisrael. It says that because of Dark Yisrael, because of peace, and we don't want to uh, create conflict and so on or, or anti-Semitism, we bury non-Jewish uh, people. They need burial. 
just like we'll bury uh, Yidin as well. So the Rishami takes out that word in, or does, doesn't have the word in. The Rishami would seem to indicate that there's no, uh, it's not like we only take care of going when you're anyway taking care of Yidin. It's not. If you're in a Jewish community and the Yidin are in charge of it, there's a government of Yidin, and there's a non-Jew that lives there and he was Nifter, so you take care of him too because of Dark Yishon. And in fact, that's how the Rambam Paskins, now like the Bavli, but like the Yishami, or maybe the Rambam learned that the Yishami tell, is, 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 is telling us that the Bavli doesn't mean Dafka Im, but the Rambam Paskins like the way it's recorded in the Yishami, the Rambam says, doesn't even say anything about Yidin at all. The Allah is that you have to take care, you have to bury non-Jewish uh, people that passed away in the Jewish community because of Dark Hashem. The Rambam doesn't say anything about when you're taking care of Yidin anyway, none of that stipulation, just straightforward. Dark Hashem means you have to bury a non-Jew as well. Not, that's the Rambam, and that's what we pass in Shulchan Aruch, in Marmok number 5, the Shulchan Aruch in Yaradeya, Shin Samach Zayin, Sif Aleph, also says exactly like the Rambam, the Kaivin Mesei Akum, that we bury non-Jewish people in the Jewish commu- that happen to be living in the Jewish community, even if, again, even if the Chavar Kedisha doesn't have anything else to take care of Mitzad Yidin, if a guy passed away, then the community has an obligation to take care of that. Again, because of Shalom, we don't want to raise any issues of anti-Semitism or hatred. That's the, that's the Allah. Okay, now all of this was talking about when you have citizens, like in a normal situation, again, regular people, so obviously the community has to take care of that. And even when a guy passes away, if he's in the Jewish community, also, we pass in the, the community has to take care of that as well. Why? Because of Dark Hashem. Really, it's not something that really are, we're obligated to take care of. But if we don't, it, uh, you know, it might cause uh, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, hatred and, and, and problems in the future. So Dark Hashem, we take care of that. But this is all, as I said, in the normal circumstances. We find that when Jewish people go to war, and obviously when we go to war, I mean, the assumption is, Bez Hashem, there shouldn't be any Jewish casualties, but, you know, there'll be non-Jewish casualties of the enemy, enemy soldiers. So what's the halacha in terms of taking care of enemy soldiers that were killed? So what's the, what's the deal with that? So it's interesting. This is the halacha that's not mentioned, what, in that situation is not mentioned in, in the Gemara, as far as I know. It's not mentioned in the Rambam or in Shulchan Aruch. But we do have stories in Tanakh discussing what, Kal Yisrael did when we went to war and they were not, and we were victorious. We conquered new territory, and part of that was that there were non-Jewish casualties, enemy soldiers that were killed. What did we do with them? So it's interesting. In Sefer in number six, in Sefer Malachim, the pasuk over there, Sefer Malachim is already after Daven Melech was Nifter, but there's a story in Sefer Malachim where it's uh, it's 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 like a throwback to a story that took place in Daven Melech's life, talking about a particular battle. That David Melch fought against Edom, against Esau, uh, a particular battle, and whatever. There was a certain detail of that battle that was relevant to Shlomo Melech, and that's where Sefer Melachim uh, is talking about. But it it sort of throws back to that particular war, and it says the following thing: that when David was fighting against Edom in that particular battle, so Yoav, his general was given the task after the battle, lekaver sachlolim, to bury the to bury the dead. To bury the dead. Now, what dead is this talking about? Jewish dead, non-Jewish dead? It's not so clear in this Pasuk. But if you go back to Sefer Shmuel, where it talks about that battle, so there's a, another piece of the puzzle that's mentioned over there. In Maramukah number 7, so in Sefer Shmuel, Beis, Parachas, so over there it's talking about this battle 
that was referenced in Sefer Malachim, yeah? So it says over there, regarding this battle, it doesn't mention burying the dead, but it just says the following statement about that battle. <laughs> that after the battle was waged and David was victorious, he made for himself an unbelievable name. The name of David uh, so, something happened over there to just bring David status and stature and his, and his reputation to the next level. What happened exactly? So Rashi over there in Sefer Shmuel says the following thing: that what David Melch did that made his reputation, you know, go sky high, shekover esarugim is that he went out of his way to bury the dead enemy soldiers that were that were that were killed in battle. Vuhu shame Yisrael, and says Rashi, and this is a shame toiv that causes an unbelievable kiddush Hashem that even. That when we fight our, these are enemies that we killed, and obviously it was for a good reason. But we still, after the battle, we go out of our way not to to, to bury them as well. They didn't we bury our enemies as well, and that's what's going on. If you have a David shame that he made, you know, his reputation went uh, went sky high. Now, what we're seeing over here is an interesting thing: is that when it comes to a civilian situation, like we like we saw from the Gemara Gidden, the Yushalmi, the Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch. Over there, the only reason to go out of our way to bury uh, a non-Jew is Dark Yisholem. In other words, it's because if we don't, then it, it might cause anti-Semitism, it might cause a, a tsar, so it's just, it's just Kedai to do it. But what we're seeing is interesting is that when it comes to a situation of battle, where we actually, where, you know, where, where these non-Jews were killed in battle as our enemy, so over there, it, it doesn't seem to be an issue of Dark Yisholem. Over there, Rashi makes it clear that it's a huge Kiddush Hashem. It's Vyas David Shem. That's what Pasuk is saying. Is that it increases the, 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 the holy reputation of the Jewish people if we do this, the thing and we bury the enemy soldiers that we, we ourselves killed. So it's an interesting thing. We have to think about this for a second. Why is it that Dafk in that situation of army, there's this Indian of beyond Dark Yisholem. It's not just a matter of avoiding anti-Semitism. There's a, there's a, the etzem, it's, it's considered to be essentially a good thing and a kiddush shem an increase in, in the shame toiv, in the good name of Kal Yisrael, to go out of our way to bury enemy soldiers. It's interesting, again, like I said, it's not recorded in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch doesn't talk about uh, these things that are not, you know, in Golis, this is not a halacha that's probably irrelevant, but, uh, but this is what we do see in Tanakh, that was something that was done. More than that, not only do we see this by David HaMelech, that, it's cons- that he did this and it was considered to be a huge Kiddush Hashem and obviously recommended, but we do find this loss of loving as well. We know there's such a thing, however this will play out, we don't know. Most likely it won't be in this most um, you know, physical way, but there's such a thing as Gagum Magad, right? You go through Tanakh, there's such a, and Sef Yechezk in particular, we have prophecies that when Mashiach will come, so all the the nations of the world will divide into two camps. Those that will support Yidin and support Mashiach and maybe want to become Yidin themselves. And the other group will be people that will try to fight against Melchah Mashiach. And they will be led by a king named Gog. And that's the Muhammad of Gog and Magog. Gog is the, is the king. Magog is the people. And they'll go to fight against Mashiach Tzikeinu and Eretz Yisrael. And in Sefer Yechezka we have prophecies about this. And uh, it'll be, a, you know, they're, they're not going to win. It'll be a, you know, mamish with nothing. It won't be a, anything to be worried about at all. It's a, it's a very much one-sided battle. So in, in, in Sefer Yechezkel, Laman Ches, by the way, and the reason why I said is well, we, have, we have many Messiahs, this is a different Shemuz altogether, we have many Messiahs from Tzaddikim from all different camps, Faradi, Ashkenaz, and Litvish, Chassidish, we have all different Messiahs that the way Gagumagag is described in the Nevi'im is not going to be the way it's going to be experienced. So the Rabbanishim was a way of 
softening dinim and you know and making Zairus come in a more you know gentle way. And so this is one of them as well. But just the way it says in Sefer Yecheskel, it's interesting. It says like this: After in Sefer Yecheskel, Perak Lamiches, this is this actually the Haftarah on Chalme um, Pesach, I think. So it's talking it's talking about the battle and how Goyeg and Magog will come to Eretz Yisrael and uh, they'll wage war against Mashiach Zikenu, and it'll just be a disaster for Goyeg and Magog. They'll be wiped out. It says in Pasuk, It will be on that day when, when, when Mashiach wins that war. That Goyeg and his armies will be given a place of burial in Eretz Yisrael. It's an amazing thing. The Kovrum Beis Yisrael. And Kalah Yisrael will go out of their way to bury the enemy soldiers of Goyeg and Magog. Laman Tahir Esar. It's interesting. In order to bring a Tahara to Eretz Yisrael. Or Tahir Esar. To bring a Tahara to the world. To the earth. Laman Tahir Esar. Shiva Chadashim. Seven months, Kalah Yisrael will be preoccupied with burying the dead of Gog and Magog. Again, the Goyim. The Kavru Kol Amaaretz. All the Amaaretz, the Kalah Yisrael will bury the dead of Gog and Magog during that time period. Vahayalehem Shlashem. And like referencing David Melch, this will be an increase in the shame tie of the good name of Kal Yisrael. Yom he Hashem, the day of my covet, says Hashem. Okay, so what's interesting over here is that, again, we have Inichaskel telling us this idea to foretell the future that Kal Yisrael will bury the dead of our enemies. Again, clearly telling us that's a, it's a good thing to do, like we saw by David Melch. But over here in Inichaskel, it reveals a little bit a couple more uh, aspects of this Indian of burying the enemy soldiers. In Sefer, in, 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 by David Melch, all we saw is that it increases David Melch's shame toiv, uh, his reputation goes, you know, as, as Rachmanim, as, you know, as a Yid, the, 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 the chesed of Yidin, it's increased when they see that David Melch is burying the enemy soldiers. But in Sefer Yechezka, we see besides that, it says, V'hayolam l'shem, that Ataka will increase the shame toiv of Yidin, for sure, but the Pasuk also tells us, Lamantaris arts, that there's some sort of tahara, it's a strange thing, it's some sort of tahara process that's happening by us burying the, 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 the enemy soldiers. And also, again, and then it also says that it'll, it'll increase the shame of Kal Yisrael, the Kavad Hashem, Kiddush Hashem for sure. But this thing of Lamantaris arts, how do we make sense of that? Okay, so in Marmok and the Ramam, there's a piece from the, from the Mea Shilayach, uh, the Ishbitzer, in, in Parshas Kiseitze. It's in Chelek Al Parshas Kiseitze. Now, a little bit of background. Of, of you know to explain where he's coming from, we have to understand that when again, like I spoke of this this on Shabbos afternoon too, anything that you anything that we find that's going on down here, especially by Yidden, you know for sure, something else is going on above. This is not we're not we're not, you know we're living in two places at once down here in planet Earth and up there. So whenever you have a situation that 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 a Yid is involved with. It's always multi-layered. There's what you're dealing with physically and what's going on in Shemayim. So Shabbos afternoon, Moshe was talking about when a yid is in danger, when there's a sakana to a yid, there's something, obviously, the physically, physically the yid is in danger, but there's something going on in Shemayim also that's putting that yid in danger. And the same thing it is when it comes to warfare. If Klai Yisrael is, are waging a war against a particular nation, then that's not just down here. There's some sort of interaction and, and conflict that's taking place between Kla Yisrael in our root in Shemayim and this nation and what this nation means in Shemayim as well. There's some sort of conflict like this. We, we, we have this in Chazal. Chazal talk about this, that whenever there's a war, that means, down, that means up there, the, 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 the Malachim, the angels in charge of these nations are also struggling with each other. 
So <clears throat> what we're going to see is that therefore, when, when Kalei Yisrael are faced with a particular enemy, the objective is, the, the, the concept is that this enemy is, is a representative of, there's some sort of uh, Yetzirah, there's some sort of impurity, there's some sort of Klipa, Tuma, that is, the, that is the embodiment, that this nation is the embodiment of. And when Kalei Yisrael are fighting that battle, it means within ourselves, on a deeper spiritual plane, we're fighting a battle against this particular Yetzar, this particular Klippa. And whenever there's a conflict like that, as, we, as I mentioned maybe a few weeks ago, whenever we, you're facing an enemy, the objective is never to just wipe out the enemy and finish. It's always about Birurim. It's about sifting through. It's about finding some spark of holiness that's contained in the enemy, and, and holding onto that spark and getting rid of everything else. Everything that exists is ultimately, ultimately sustained because God, God is there somehow. Nothing exists without God's presence. So even in enemy territory, even in something that's unholy, the, it, what, what's sustaining it ultimately has to be a core of something positive, or at least potentially positive. And so the objective down here on planet Earth might be to wipe out the enemy. But once we see the enemy is not just a physical nation, it's a representation of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a power, of a, of a, of a, of a Yetzirah, of something that, we ha- that we're struggling with, the objective is never to obliterate it completely. The objective is to obliterate and to get rid of the negative, the negative qualities of that, of that Indian, but to find, to find the core element that's, that's, that's able to be uh, uplifted. It's no different than when a person has an inner war, right? Let's say you have an inner war, a struggle with your own midas, with a personality trait. The objective is not to obliterate that midas, not to get rid of it. The objective is to find, to hold on to the core of that per- personality trait that is potentially good and, and direct it in a holy way, in a healthy way, and get rid of all the, the excess, all the stuff that's, that's unholy. It's a process of birurim, of sifting. That, that's what mulchama is. That's what mulchama is. That's why, by the way, Physically speaking, when a person eats, I, I, we, we, I, maybe I mentioned this, I don't remember, a few weeks ago, but when we, when we talk about birur, we're talking about learning shulchan or learning halacha, when a person eats, that's a process that's physically a process of birurim, where you take something into your system, and now your system is working it through to try to hold on and to, and to find within that piece of bread, the part of the bread which is absolutely healthy and good and should stay within you, and the rest of it is pushed out. This, there, this is why the Zayar says, the Zayar says an amazing thing, that when a person eats, that's called a time of Muhammad. Shas Kravav, the Zayar says, that eating is a time of Muhammad. Why? Because that's what warfare is. Warfare is not about getting rid of the enemy. Maybe that's what warfare is on, you know, down here on a physical sense. But on a spiritual plane, warfare means, like, the, the, let's, say you're, let's say Dovnach is fighting the Plishtim. Yeah? So his objective, maybe down here on planet Earth, is to get rid of the Plishtim. But the plishtim represent a particular quality, a particular personality trait. And, th- and the way they represent it is that that, rep- that, that personality trait, that plishtim embody, is a, is a, is a quality, is a, is a personality trait that has gone completely crazy. Completely crazy. And therefore they're the enemy. But the objective is not to get rid of that quality. The objective is to sift through it, to digest it, to hold on to the positive and to get rid of the negative. That's the idea. And this is why, as we're going to see in a second by the Ishvitzer, when Klai Yisrael go into battle and confront an enemy, they come out the other end much greater. 
and much deeper. Because when you come at the other end of battle, you now are not just, oh, Baruch Hashem, we survived. No, because through that battle, you've now absorbed within to your system of the Jewish people a quality that until now was in enemy territory. So in other words, you didn't have, we, have, uh, we have certain things on our territory in, in Kedusha. But the Belishtim have their personality. And uh, Americans have their personality. And the English have their personality. And the French and the Spanish. And v'chul v'chul. And the objective of Klai Yisrael is to go from place to place. That's what Gauls is like also, right? The guy might think of us as, uh, as uh, you know... Um, as, uh, you know, we go and, like, suck up, you know, what's the word there? Parasites. parasites. And we're like the parasites. And that's what anti-Semites like to, like to say. And it's true, but it's holy parasites. We talk and do this. We go from country to country, absorbing the personality and the qualities of that particular native country, and go through a digestive process of holding on to those qualities in a good way and developing a holy, uh, a holy Yiddishkeit that's American, Right, that has the American qualities to it, but now directed in a holy way in Kedusha. And the unholy parts of American society we reject. And when we do that enough, we do that long enough, American society begins to fall apart. That's the way it goes. And that's, that's the historical process of Gauls. So during Gauls, we're not going to war, per se, in that direct way of what Dovnelch used to do, but that is what we're doing undercover. When, when you didn't go from country to country, we're absor- we, we are attacking, maybe not on the outside, but in a spiritual sense, we are attacking that particular country, and that country is attacking us, and what we do is we digest it. We hold, we, we, we figure out, we isolate the quality that is digestible, and the rest we get rid of, and then when that quality of Kedusha is now conquered by the Yidden, and we take over that territory, then what's left behind, if, if there's no core of Kedusha there, then uh, things fall apart, and they can't, they can't be sustained. And that's, they, then, then all of a sudden they begin to start hating Yidin, and without any explanation, and we're kicked out, and we go to the next country, and that's it. That, that's, that's the process of Gauls. Yeah, it's the same Nakuda. The same Nakuda. That's Birurim. <clears throat> By the way, this is why, this is why, well, you know, okay, well, I don't want to confuse myself or, or you. Let, let's go to Marmok number nine, then we'll... Then I'll go, and then we'll explain more. Okay, so he's going to describe this phenomenon. Again, in the beginning of Parashas Kiseitse, again, it says, Kiseitse, when you go to war against your enemy, Vishavisa Shevyai, and you're going to capture a captive. You're going to take, uh, you're going to take people captive. Hainu, said the Yishvitzer, Hainu hadover hatoiv hanim sabumis. When there's a war, the objective is not to obliterate the enemy. The objective is to isolate the good quality that's at the heart of that nation and capture it back to the Jewish people. And when you capture the heart, when you take that quality that's positive, that is, the, that is, the, 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 that is ultimately the source of the Pelishti power, spiritually speaking, when we usurp that and... and reabsorb that and bring that back within the avoid of Kal Yisrael, then, uh, then the, the, negative, uh, the negative qualities of Polishti culture it falls apart. Ki bakal ha'omez nimsa kayach toiv. Said the Yishbetzer, because in every single nation there's always something positive. Achkol zman shibinehem, but when that quality is still amongst the nations of the world and it's not being absorbed by Kal Yisrael, it's not being digested by Kal Yisrael, he b'shviya. We have to think of it as it's, it's, it, it, it's, in, it's in captivity by the Goyim. In other words, all, the MS, all Kedusha, is in the jurisdiction of Kal Yisrael. For whatever reason, 
it worked out in such a way that there's sparks of holiness, there's sparks of Kedusha scattered amongst every nation. And you have to think of like that spark, which is really a Jewish Indian, because Kedusha is a Jewish thing, that spark of Kedusha that's at the heart of Plishti culture is now being used as the fuel to sustain all the craziness of Plishti culture. But at its core, what Plishti culture is about, you can isolate the quality of what Plishti culture is about and absorb that into Kal Yisrael. And that's what it means to find that spark of Kedusha at the core of Plishti land and bring it into Kal Yisrael. And then, then there's no fuel to sustain the craziness of Plishti culture. That's what goes on. So the same thing with America, right? In America also, there's, certain qual- there's, certain, there's craziness in American society. Mom is crazy. But at its core, there's something that's, that's redeemable. There's something that is sustaining all that, all that, all that you see on the outside of American culture, which, uh, you know, good and bad, all mixed up and a little bit crazy. At its core, something redeemable. Something there that's obviously holy and, and a spark of Kedusha that's sustaining all of this. And what you didn't do is that we come into America and we first absorb American culture and it's terrible and it's a problem, but we slowly digest it, we slowly digest it, and then we're able to slowly isolate the, the, the nakuda of what American culture is about and bring that into Kedusha, into our universe of, of Yiddishkeit, and the rest of it is, is rejected. And that's what we do, and that's called, that's called digesting. That's called digesting the enemy. Again, when, when this quality is still in American culture by itself and just sustaining and, and being used in all sorts of crazy ways and it expresses itself in crazy ways in American culture, for example, it's, it's, it's under captivity by America. But when Christ will come and absorb that quality, that nakuda within us, then then, that, then, then that's really good because then, it, then, it's, then it's reabsorbed into the system of Kedusha. Now, said the Yishbetzer, and ultimately, if you had to, and this, this is an interesting var, the Yishbetzer says, if you had to, um, you know, to pinpoint exactly what is the nakuda that every nation has, that, that is at its core, that is salvageable, that is ultimately our objective of absorbing into our system. So he says, it's not anything particular. It's not anything particular. Huachuka. It's the desire, the thirst, the hunger that the nation has for whatever that particular nation is thirsty about. Every nation has a cheshek, has a desire, has something that it wants. And, and what it wants, it could be crazy. And what it wants is not necessarily something that we want. But what we do want to absorb from the nations around us is that thirst. That thirst of not just being satisfied, of being hungry, of being thirsty, of wanting, of wanting. To hijack the want. To hijack the want. This is why, this is a big cloud in, in Ishbitzin and Reb Tzaddik. Again, this is a little bit on this side. We're not going to go into this too much. But Reb Tzaddik and, 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 and by the Ishbitzin, we do find this idea that the, by the Leshemol, that the nature of Kedusha is to be a little bit like tame, you know? And the nature of the nations of the world is to be hungry. And, uh, and, and part of something that we need to gain from the nations of the world is that hunger, uh-huh. that unsatiable hunger. And now, what is that hunger for? So every nation has a different quality of what they're hungry for. And when that hunger is allowed to express itself by the nations of the world, it turns into the hunger for things that are not so good. But what we're about is to try to isolate that hunger, that thirst, and bring it into our system then to want really holy and good things. That's what he talks about. Okay. 
Something that's interesting that the, the Pasuk and the Rambam told us that there's Akpada specifically when it comes to battle, when it comes to warfare, the Machin at the Jewish camp, is that the Indian of, of, of going to the bathroom has to be Mamish, perfect, and Sneas and Masudr. You can't have it, it can't be uh, Bilbul. It has to be organized, a particular place outside the camp. And with, and it's interesting, with the weapons that every soldier carries, you have to carry a shovel to make sure it's all proper mm-hmm. and so on. What's this Indian of this Akpada? What does that do with warfare? What's this in Panemius? What's it, what's it about? The answer is that's what we just learned. That the whole Indian of warfare is what it's digestive. That the whole Indian of going to battle is that you are you're engaging in an enemy, and the, on a physical level, your objective is just to wipe out the enemy. But that's not on a spiritual plane. That's not the objective. The objective on a spiritual plane is to digest the enemy. Digest the enemy. Find the nakuda that's at the core of that particular culture, that's salvageable, that's workable, that's actually potentially holy, and bring that into the Jewish system, and everything else that's, un- that's ugly and unholy that has emerged out of that quality, reject that. In other words, what you're doing on, on, a, on a national stage, uh, you know, in warfare, is... Digestion and going to the bathroom. That's what it is. When you, it, it's eating something and holding on to that which is holy and, and bringing that into your system and everything that's unholy, rejected and pushing it out and making sure those two things, what is salvageable and what's unsalvageable, don't have anything to do with each other. It's completely removed. Birurim, sifting through. That's the avayda of Muhammad. So it only makes sense, and it's only apropos, that that inning of Muhammad on a spiritual level should materialize all the way down on planet Earth in such a way that in battle, going to the bathroom, which is the result of digestion, has to be something that's mamish, a big avayda. A big avayda. And that's what's going on over here, because the whole inning of Muhammad is going to the bathroom properly. You understand? That, that's what's going on. On a spiritual level, that's what's, that's what's going on over here. This is what it means... When, when the Pasuk describes in Sefer Yecheskel that by burying the, the non-Jewish enemy, there's a tahara that's taking place. The, the burial of the soldiers of Gog and Magog in Eretz Yisrael. It's an amazing thing. The, the, you want to be matar Eretz Yisrael. How, do you, how are you matar Eretz Yisrael? How do you purify Eretz Yisrael? I would think getting rid of the, of the enemies from the land. No, no, no. The way to be matar Eretz Yisrael is by taking the enemy soldiers that you already conquered, that you already killed, and bury them in Eretz Yisrael. Because the ultimate tahara of Eretz Yisrael doesn't mean to wipe out the enemy. It means, to, it means to digest the enemy. It means to take the qualities that is at the core of that particular culture, that particular enemy uh, you know, uh, uh, society, and isolate the good, absorb that within the Jewish people, and the rest will be rejected. That's what's going on. The tahara of Eretz Yisrael is taking place. This is what it means also at the same time that, that idea of the Taharis Eretz Yisrael, and again, this idea of whatever Gog and Magog represents, which is like the, the end, the sum total of all the nations of the world at that point, any, any level of um, impurity that's still remaining in the world is going to be the embodiment of Gog and Magog. And when we conquer them, it's not about obliterating them. It's about finally, finally getting to the very bottom, any last little pieces of Kedusha that's at the core or salvageable, 
in the rest of humanity, that's what we're going to be embracing, and the rest will be rejected. That's called the Tahara process. That's called the process of taking what's 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 salvageable in Gog and Magog and absorbing that within Kali Yisrael. So by mm. burying the, the the dead of our enemies in Eretz Yisrael, it's more, that's why it's not it's not when, when it's a civilian situation like we saw from the Gemara and Gideon and the Yishalmi, Okay, that's just dark Yishalmi thing. There's nothing mystical going on over there. Uh, why should we take care of the non-Jewish uh, people that have died in the Jewish community? Because otherwise, it'll cause us problems with anti-Semitism. But when it comes to soldiers in battle, the Indian of burying the non-Jewish soldiers, is it, that, that's the whole Indian of Mohama. That's the Tahara process. Because it was never about obliterating the enemy. It was about digesting the enemy. It was about finding something in the enemy that is salvageable. So by burying the dead of the enemy in a Bukhavadika way, that's what you're doing. That's what we're expressing is that there's something... We're not, a, we're not about destroying the enemy. We're about finding something that is in the enemy that we can absorb within the Jewish people. And that's what it means specifically to bury them in Eretz Yisrael. And when they're buried in Eretz Yisrael, so the earth of Eretz Yisrael will sift through their bodies, and whatever is salvageable will be absorbed in the land, and whatever is not, won't be. That, that, that's the digestive process that the Muhammad itself was really all about. And this is why the idea of um, the increased shame toiv, the, the, the shame of, uh, of Kla Yisrael is increased, not simply because, like, oh, you see, Yidin are, are, are Achman and were kind to our enemies, but on a much deeper level, because what it's revealing is that the Muhammad was never about destroying. It was never about killing. It was never about just conquering and slaughtering. It was about Tahara. It was all about Tahara. It was all about bringing into the Kalah those qualities that the nations of the world have been abusing all these years and misusing and using uh, and bringing to all sorts of crazy places, we are reabsorbed, realigning it with its root in Kedusha. That's what the Shem Tov is. That's why it's a Kiddush Hashem and it's a Kavra Hashem for such a thing to happen. So this is the idea. Whenever we engage in battle, and we're always in battle, whether it's eating, whether it's with Midas, interacting with the world around us, it's never about obliterating the enemy. It's about digesting. It's about digesting. Finding the Nakuda Taiva in the situation that you're in isolating that into the taiva and absorbing that into your system, into your consciousness, and the rest, and the rest will be taken care of, and that's the Taharas Aretz. We'd like to see the Taharas Aretz in this way. Please, God's sake, may